And we say hello to you here with episode 74 of Cherokee Rewind. Glad you're hanging out with us. I am Mick, and thanks for tuning in. Going to go not too far in the distant past this time around, uh, within the last uh, decade. And we're going to say hi to Mr. Hudson Saban. And this guy played back uh, earlier in the decade uh, of this past decade. And uh, what years did you play, Hudson? I only played the, <clears throat> the one year, and I believe that was maybe 15 to 16 or 16 to 17 season. It was just one of those years. Okay. Well, um, yeah. now here's the, here's the fun part for me. I gotta try and remember. Right. I try to remember your jersey number. And that's gonna be one only play one year. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably blow it big time. But if I'm trying to think, was it was it 27? Close, 28. Hey, I I was I I broke clocks right twice a day. So even though I wasn't right, I was at least close. Uh, anyway, so uh, Hudson, first of all. Uh, were you a local kid growing up? Yeah, I grew up just outside of like Toledo in the Oregon area, so not too far down the road. Okay. Now, how old were you when you first put a pair of skates on you? Oh, man, I think I got my first pair of skates on me when I was maybe five or six, I believe. What got you interested in the game? Um, I just, the most like far back memory I can think of is me and my dad watching probably like an old Red Wings, Colorado avalanche game and saw just guys fighting and beating each other up out there. And I was told him, I said, it looks fun. And then probably a couple months later, I was, got my first pair of skates and I was in the learn to skates out at the old Tamil Shanner there. Yep. Now, did you play most, most of your time growing up in Tamil Shanner's program? Uh, yeah, probably a majority of it through up to like a young travel age through in the Sylvania program with the Sylvania All-Stars, all that stuff. Now, do you remember your, your first coaches that, uh, that tried to teach you? Um, not necessarily like my first coaches, but it was kind of like when I started, um, breaking away from the Sylvania stuff when I started playing more travel like a little bit different when we broke away. I had um, like uh, Craig Horvath, um, shoot, one of the Brent Easton's uh, dad, I forget his first name. Um, I had another buddy, Connor Kenny, his dad was like a coach, but these weren't like Sylvania coaches. I can't really remember those guys much. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, do you remember what it was like when you first started playing organized? Um, it was definitely a lot to get used to. I definitely thought you could just go skate around and bump into each other. Definitely was a learning curve knowing that there's actually rules to hockey and growing up and everything and learning those rules. And then it became like a lot more fun for me out there. Well, I mean, after all, come on now. You, I mean, you couldn't start checking till like what, peewee? Peewees or I think it was maybe Bantams. Wow. Or, yeah. When I I mean when I was a kid many 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 years ago, we actually got to check when uh, cuz I only played the only time I ever played was peewee and uh, mm -hmm. we, we actually got to hit people. So, that was fun. Yeah. 
It was either Pee Wee or Bantam. I know I got in trouble for in which one for starting to hit people, and I guess you weren't allowed. So, whichever one comes first, that was the one where I started hitting, and you're not supposed to. There's commies. What do they know? Anyway. <laughs> Anyhow, so um, you you went you started playing. Uh, how old were you when you when you went from house to travel? Um, maybe like eight or ten ish. Ten. Probably more around 10. Okay. Because I grew up more house stuff for like a while. I remember there was the famous Bat Dwarf that always hung around Tamil Shaner. And I know he had a bunch of house teams I was playing on. Because I liked him as a coach growing up. I almost couldn't get away from that guy. He always wanted me on his team. Yeah. Now, were you always a forward or did, or did you ever spend any time on D? Uh, no, I was a defenseman my whole life. I had just, four was just too much skating for me. <laughs> so I like being back. So defense, being a defenseman fit me perfect. Now, were you one of those guys that, uh, they'll, they'll tell me sometimes to this day, they can skate faster backwards than they can forwards. I definitely can skate back or backwards faster than I can forwards now. And that's probably true. Like my whole career that I've had. Wow. Now, uh, what kind of a defenseman were you? Were you one of those that was the stay-at-home defenseman, clear the front of your net, or did were you one of those guys that liked the, the transition game and tried to carry the puck up the ice? Uh, I was definitely more stay-at-home, clear out the front of the net kind of guy throughout my whole career. Um, was never afraid to really jump up in the play if I had the opportunity, but I think I found more of my role in as a stay-at-home defenseman here. Okay. So um, now, when you made the, tr- the the change over to travel, do you remember what it was like? Was there an adjustment you had to make, or did you find any difficulty, or did you adjust pretty quick? Um, I f- just the different level from going, I guess, from house to travel, it's always, like, going to be a big difference. I mean, transferring from any, like, going into the next league and everything is always going to be a big difference. But just seeing these kids out there with a little bit more speed than I was in, like used to, I would get burned around the outside all the time and then just had to try to play my angles a little bit better. And, but yeah, it was definitely a big adjustment going from house to travel. And I found myself slipping down the lineup a little bit the first few games. So how long did it take? What did you do to uh, make that adjustment or to fix that? Um, Just in practice, I would always try to line up against some of the better kids, the faster kids on our teams on the one-on-one drills. Even if I got beat, I would just try to get beat a little bit less and less each time I would pair up against them. So that was the biggest thing for me, even throughout my whole career till I was done playing, I would always try to go up against the bigger, faster guys on our teams to try to just get better every time. Okay. Now, um, when you played travel, who did you play for? It was the Sylvania All-Stars for a while, and then we kind of broke off from that. I think a bunch of parents got together, and then we started our own little travel team, I guess you could say, was just uh, Team Toledo, We I think we called it. Very plain, nothing to it, just, just kind of broke away from the Sylvania, I guess, like teams to try to start something else and see what we could do. Now, were you guys part of, like, Gitaha, Greater Toledo Area Hockey Association, or were you with Paul in Sylvania? Or? I think through Small, maybe. That sounds more familiar when you said that one. 
I would believe it's too like small. So okay. Well, uh, where did you guys play your home games at? At Tam or at Ice House? I think they were probably split 50-50 between Tam O'Shanner and the Ice House. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, since we were Team Toledo, we tried to have more of our games at uh, the Ice House than over at Tamo. And so and then we would go into all the big big bear tournaments, silver sticks and stuff like that, and compete against the Sylvania All-Stars and it was always fun kind of trying to beat up on those guys. It was always a rivalry every time we showed up to the same tournament. How'd you fare against them? Um, I feel like we did fairly well. Um, I think, I know we had the bigger players growing up, um, but I, th- I think we just more try, probably tried to just like bully them than actually really try to beat them. Um, but I think we might've got the best of best of them. Like maybe it was like a 60, 40 kind of deal there our way. Okay. Well, that seems fair enough. Now, uh, were there any guys that you had any kind of uh, a tift with or a rivalry with from Sylvania while you were playing in Toledo? Were there any guys that you remember individually that you were like, I'd like to check him into the boards? I wish I could remember. I'm sure there's got to be maybe one or two of them that stick out, but I can't remember any to like this day. That was just so far back. It feels like now looking back at it, dude, you're not that old. <laughs> Wait till you get my age. <laughs> I, I got pretty beat up out there. So it takes a toll still. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, well, that's what beer league does to you, but no, but, oh. <laughs> but uh, seriously though, um, were there any guys that you played against or with back then that you saw later in your time later uh, playing hockey? Uh, yeah, just one of them. He ended up being kind of one of my better buddies, like growing up through the the travel days was Brent Easton. And I remember him being like my defensive partner because he was just the biggest guys. And I, dude, I think I saw him again. We stayed in pretty good contact to like middle school and still playing around and uh then when we got to high school i went to clay and he went to northview so we got to kind of pick on each other again there he was one of my better buddies and it was always fun playing against them even though they got the better of us most of the time now, majority did, of the time did you play high school hockey for clay i did yes i played all four years for clay what was that like tell me what the hockey was like and in what the experience was like for you to be able to play for your high school? It was definitely a big learning curve. I remember going in and then uh, I remember getting to the locker room the first day, like freshman year. And I thought I was a pretty big guy. Like growing up, I've always been kind of the bigger player. And I get into the locker room and there's guys like Patrick Perlecki, uh EJ LeMay with our goalie, uh, Mike Wojo, Dave Shaheen and all these guys are just like towering over me. Just they're all like mean mugging me as soon as I get in the locker room and, you know, putting the hard time on like the freshmen and they're all like, you get that. That's your seat right there. I'm just like, yep. that Okay. That's my seat. It was a little intimidating at first. And those guys are just were incredible out there to watch them play and the way they moved. And I realized at that moment, that first practice, that I got a lot to learn in a really short amount of time here if I'm going to be wanting to see the ice any. Who was your coach back then? Oh, shoot. Who was our coach? We had two of them. 
my freshman year's coach is slipping my name right now. And then it, freshman, sophomore year might have been the same coach. And junior, senior, I think it was Michael Heck. I can't remember freshman, sophomore year. I'm very bad with names when it comes to all these stories and stuff. I don't know why. I always have been. Um, but he uh, he was whipping us young guys into shape. He was the one that probably kept with my trend of trying to go against the bigger, faster guys. Mm-hmm. He would purposely put us freshmen against all the juniors and seniors and upperclassmen just to get us that little bit much better every time we were on the ice. Mm-hmm. So it was a really big learning curve and just try to get beat less and less in practice every time. That's about all I had to count on right there. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, it makes you better, especially when you, you, you don't see the difference necessarily when you go up against more juniors and seniors. But after going through that a lot, when you go up against your peers, freshmen and sophomores, then I think that's where you see the difference. And it probably, Oh, yeah. Yep. Once you start playing with those older guys on the ice, like they know where to be, when to be, they'll put the puck right on your stick. And then maybe with the sophomores and freshmen, we'll be like the same thing, but we'll maybe be like a half a second late on everything. They're just that little bit quicker to that like next level. Mm -hmm. And so that was something to get used to. If I didn't make the pass right away, they were yelling at me when we get back to the locker room that, I was getting an earful. I should have been quicker. I should have done this. I should have done that. So it was definitely a big learning curve. Now, did the team have a good following from like students and family and stuff? Did you guys have pretty decent crowds? Uh, yeah, most of the upperclassmen, they had all their friends and family, all everybody's families were there every game, of course. And, uh, we had a pretty okay, decent student section. It wasn't, I wouldn't say anything to brag about, but I mean, later in the season when we started making playoffs, then we would really try to pack the barn with everybody. So when we had a good run, but midseason, we have a pretty good solid fan base, some loyal fans. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. When you got the green and gold going, you got to, you got to get them fired up. Right. So now, um, who, who you, you talked about, you know, Sylvania schools, Northview and Southview and stuff. Who was your biggest rival to you back then? Oh, that would probably have to be like Mommy. I mean, Northview and Central, we would, or Northview, like Southview and them, we would play them maybe once or twice, like a season. And then, but we would always be up against like Mommy or Central Catholic. And I would probably say those two teams were our biggest rivals. I mean, later on throughout the years, as people graduated and stuff like that, I think the rivalries went towards different teams. And then we were like a rival against Whitmer, like my junior, senior years, which is completely different than uh, my freshman, sophomore year when it was more towards like mommy and central Catholic, just because our upperclassmen knew the guys on their upperclassmen and they just wanted to beat the crap out of each other. Like, if we don't win this, then I'm not talking to you guys or something like that. Wow. So, and so, and so when you got, when it became your turn, did you kind of take that same sentiment to heart as far as uh, playing against Whitmer? Uh, yeah. I mean, every time we just played them, it was always just a close game and knowing some of the guys in that team, it just like lit a fire under our 
like butts even more. And we just wanted to beat our buddies on the other team just so who had the bragging rights and everything. So it was always a, like a nail-biter when it came down to it. Like when we always would play Mommy Central Catholic until I believe their team might have folded from not having enough players. So their players went to other schools. So then it kind of took that rivalry from Central to maybe like Mommy or something. Or even Eastwood. I think we played Eastwood a few times. I haven't heard that name in a while. Wow, I didn't even know Eastwood had a hockey team. Yeah, they had like a club high school hockey team. And they would just, I believe they just exhibition gamed other high schools from just like, I don't want to say like random high schools, but just high schools that didn't have enough players to have a full team. Mm -hmm. I think that's what started the Eastwood team. So they would have guys from six, seven, eight different high schools on their team. Wow. Playing that, they would just schedule different high schools, and I can't remember how the divisions went. Where it was like red, white, and blue, or and but they would always be in that middle division, like trying to schedule games and stuff, just to see how they stack up. So, holy cow, that's that's weird. Uh, but mm-hmm. I mean, because I I know like teams like Lake had a had a team, uh, Anthony, yeah. Anthony Wayne. Anthony and Wayne, I would probably say, is another rival. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just knowing some of the guys playing travel growing up, like Chris Watkins played on the Matthew Trot line. Those guys all went – I played travel with them on Team Toledo for most of the life. So growing up against it, going against them, it was just back for the bragging rights again. And it probably changed every time, every weekend we played them, who got the bragging rights coming out of it. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, I mean, did you guys spend a lot of time on, cause by that time, social media was a thing. Uh, did you guys spend any time on social media talking about your rivalry? I'm sure there was probably some smack talk going back between some of the players, more just jokingly, like with your buddy on the other team, but I don't think anything was too serious about it. Okay. Now, um, so you play um you end up uh, finishing your time at at clay high school uh what was it like when you played your last game for the eagles and you knew you that you were done playing high school hockey uh was there any uh like wow that's it or was it like um i got to see where I'm going to play next, or did you think you were done? I mean, what went through your mind back then when you finished playing hockey at Clay? I thought it was very overwhelming. Of course, a lot of emotions when you spent so many years playing for, like, one team, but that last game, it was just crazy emotions. I was highs, lows, within seconds of each other. I was, like, probably in tears crying, like hugging everybody that I love, like that school and that team and everybody, especially all that we've been through those whole four years um, with like Kyle and Cody. So it made us super bond, made it like that much more. And I think it was more, I wasn't worried about where I was playing next or if I was going to play. I just was just sad. It was over that to be seeing these guys, for five days out of the week skating with them, the locker room talks, the bus rides, the games, all that stuff. I, I don't think at the moment I was worried about where or what I was going to play next or if I was going to play. 
Well, let's backtrack for a second because you mentioned uh, uh, those guys that you lost. Uh, tell me the impact that had on the program because when you lose someone so young, uh, that has to really impact you, not just never mind the fact that it impacts the program. It impacts you as a person, because especially being a, a young person yourself. Uh, tell me about what the impact that they had on you. Um, let's see. Let's go with, like, freshman year with, uh, like, Kyle Cannon. I, when that happened, we were in a Thanksgiving tournament down in Columbus, and I forget what team we were playing, but I remember being on the ice next to him, not too far away, and I just remember him getting hit and then how it all went down and just seeing that and being on the ice next to that, like, it honestly scared me. Like, I didn't want to really go back out on the ice after seeing that. Um, even, I mean, the game got canceled and everything after that, and I don't think we played another game that tournament, but there was a lot of texts and stuff like that going around the locker room or like all the boys about like, what do we do? Like, like I'm scared to go back out there after seeing that because you know, the risk when we go out there, just nobody thinks it's going to happen to you until it does. And then just, I guess, seeing it, I was shook. I remember just walking in the garage and I don't think my mom made it to the tournament and she just saw me like in tears and I'm still shaking even three, four hours after we get to drive home from the rink and stuff. And she's like, Oh, I'm sorry, buddy, that you lost the tournament. I'm just like, no, we like, like lost a player like that. And then we told her and she was freaking out. So, I mean, it's a big impact on yourself and like your family as well. And friends to, I mean, yeah, we love the sport, and that's why we'd, like, take the risk. But, like, if it can happen to him, it could happen to anybody. And he was a great skater and a great teammate and everything. And it just – I think it hurt more because it happened to someone so close at the time. Yeah, it, can, it freaked me out. Yeah, it can it – can, it, it, it shakes you from being a part of the hockey community. But when it's on your team and it's a teammate, I mean, that really is a whole different – that's a whole different thing to tangle with. You know? Yeah, not more than a teammate. It's like your brother, like your best friend, almost. I mean, yeah, we're a few years, or me and him were in a few years apart in age, but it could have happened to anybody in the team. It's like my big brother, my little brother, all that stuff. Like, it's just crazy to think about still to this day and, like, how it happens. It still kind of scares me sometimes looking back at it, if I'm going to be skating now. Mm -hmm. So... And then talk about Cody Van Herset. What was, I mean, what that, how that affected you guys? Because, I mean, him passing away, that really hit the hockey community hard. Yeah, that didn't just hit us. I mean, that hit, like you said, the whole hockey community. Yep. And that little menace in the ice, he wasn't a, he was the smallest guy in the ice by like almost two foot. Like he was tiny. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but he wasn't afraid to like get in front of the net and battle guys like my size. And I'm six, one, six, three, four on skates, like 200 pounds. He's not afraid to get in front of me. And he was hard to move too. Cause he just was so little. He had a small, uh, like center of gravity. And when we lost him, that was just, 
I don't know how to put it. it. There is no word. It was like shocking, but so emotional. Like I, I think girl in disbelief for like a while. And then again, it's just like, well, what do we do? And then you think, well, like, this little guy loved hockey like so much. And that's why we all became family. Like we're going to finish off this season right by him. And we're going to go out there and give every game 110, 120% for him just because we know he would do the same for us and even after after his accident i think we were maybe back on the ice that week that next following week for practice and i mean the first practice was tough i think we let it was more of an open skate for everybody to come out and skate with us but then that next day it was just back to work and everybody had one thing on our minds and that was to do our best for him Wow. And it just shook everybody. And the support from the surrounding hockey community was amazing. Like, I can't thank everybody enough. If you're, like, listening, like, it's just amazing. Yeah. And, like, the love for everybody. That's that's a hard thing to deal with. And, and especially, you know, you're expecting a bunch of, you know, uh, 14 through 18-year-olds to try and come to terms with somebody losing their life. Uh, it's not you know, that, that's not how they're built. You're, you're expecting people to, you know, live to be, you know, 70, 80 years old, whatever. Uh, you don't expect to see someone that young, you know, and it's, that's why it hits so hard to, for the hockey community and especially right on the, on the tail and everything too, also with, with Kyle, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and the fact that it happened to the same program, I think is what really, heard a lot was the fact that both of those were clay eagles and yeah my through senior year yeah and that that's that had to be really really hard to i mean you 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 find a way you find a way to cope and to move keep moving even though it i mean it left you rubbery legged but you absorb one blow and then to then have a second one. It's like, my gosh, how much more do these kids got to take? You know, but yeah. I think for me, I don't know about you. And I, I want to get your thought on this is right. um, I think the resiliency of the people of Clay High School, I think that's probably the thing. My takeaway is that is incredible. The fact that you guys withstood two incredible blows to your community and yet, and not saying it was easy or it was a piece of cake or it was any of that because it wasn't, but just the fact that you guys somehow, some way found a way to keep going. You didn't forget. You never forgot who they were or forget about them. You guys celebrated their lives. You you made sure that they were honored at every turn, no matter what. You kept them at the forefront, but you were still able to somehow keep going. You know, it wasn't with the, you know, uh, it wasn't where you said, hey, we just got to forget about this stuff and keep, and just go play. No, you, you embraced them and what they meant to you 
and use that as your catalyst to keep going and to and i was like that's to me i was as an outsider i was just playing i, I wouldn't say stunned but kinda it was like mm -hmm. how do you do that how are you able to somehow put it all together and keep going not only for their sakes but for your own um it was definitely tough at first when both of them even like happened um when both accidents happened um it was like i said it was just that talk going around the locker room it's like kind of everyone's looking at everybody else like what do we do everyone's looking at the other person like who's gonna like say the answer here first and but we all kind of knew in our heads like what we had to do i mean we just had to just get back out there and just keep doing what we love to do and like what they love to do and even years a couple years later after kyle's accident i mean he was back at our practices and games i mean granted he couldn't join us out on the ice but he was still there in person like cheering us on like watching us play so seeing that in person was crazy motivation just to keep working and everything and then with cody and like his family they're like my second family i love them to death and his little brothers and just being there for them and stuff like that now i mean we've They've always kind of looked up to us older hockey guys, but now, like, I don't know, we just, we just did it because we love the game and we love them and, like, the love and support from both families and, like, the community, the surrounding com hockey community. Like, it was almost, it's sound, to me, it was a little bit easier just because we just had to get back out there. Like, we, there was no question in my head. We had to get back out there and play not just for us but for them and for everybody affected by it right. just to show everybody that like our love for them for supporting us we wanted to show them like what we could really do out there and keep playing the sport that we love even though there is risk in everything for everybody yep and that and the fact that you guys were all hurting you know mm -hmm. so yeah there was a time I mean, when we strapped up in the locker room, but it's, we were kind of still hurting. But as soon as we touched that ice for practice or games, we all knew in our head what the job was that night. And that was to go get a W for the boys that can't be out there with us like that night and everything. And then as soon as we were back in the locker room and the game was over, we just hoped that we left it all out there and that was enough to make everybody proud. So... And I would think too that it would leave it would be a little bit cathartic also because of the fact that you guys had that passion for the game. You all loved that game. You knew the risks, yes, but you also knew why you took them. And that is because of your love of that game and the fact that those boys loved it too. And they if they were here, you know, if they and you know, in, in Cody's case, if he were here, he'd be telling you get your butt on the ice and how much that means. Okay. Now, so when you, you, you know, everything that happened at clay, uh, you finish your career there and what 
what was in your mind as far as what was next? What were you going to do next? Um, basically, I think uh, what I was thinking was, oh boy, time to join like the real world now. Fun's over. I wasn't really thinking much about where I was going to play. I always thought I was kind of a, I don't know, a little bit above average like player. So I didn't really think much about what I was looking into next for like league wise or tryouts. I had all my buddies going to all these tryouts. I think my cousin Logan Myers, he was going to tryout after tryout after tryout for all these other like leagues and everything. And I would just go tag along with him just for fun for me, just so I could skate again. I mean, those pickup games are fun, but I mean, I miss the competitive side. So I would just go to a couple of these tryouts, never really think anything of it. So, and then after nothing happened with that, I was just like, okay, now it's time to probably get a job and join the real world and start adulting. So that was probably for about a year and a half. till I got the phone call from uh, Kenny Miller and I remember that phone call with him and he was asking me like when my birthday was, like how I was doing. And he goes, when's your birthday? I told him and he's like, what year? I said, I'm a 93. He goes, uh, he says, uh, we need defensemen. He goes, I followed you growing up and everything. and know you're a solid defenseman. He goes, do you want to play for like the Cherokee? This is probably a year and a half after high school now. Wow. So I'm just, yeah, I haven't, really played much besides pickup games here and there, maybe out at Tamo. Um, so I remember that phone call and he said, this is like your last year to play competitive hockey. Like, do you want to play for the Cherokee? And I said, yes, of course I would love to. And I was like, what, what do I do now? He goes, I'll see you on Tuesday from, for practice. And um, he goes, we'll go from there. We'll get everything else sorted. So I was like, okay. And this was like on a Sunday night. Wow. Yeah. So it's been a year and a half now. I get this phone call. It was very quick. It probably was no more than five, eight minutes on the phone. He's like, okay, good. I'll see you Tuesday. This is our practice time. I was like, okay, sounds good. See you there. And I remember calling my parents and then being like, hey, I'm playing hockey again. They're like, oh, cool. Like, where? And I was like, for Cherokee. And they were like, shut up. And I'm just like, no, yeah, Kenny just called. They wanted like they needed defenseman, and I told them I'd play. And then I just remember, I think my dad saying like, "That's awesome," but like, how much is this going to cost me? Was <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> his first response, and it's like, "Well, you can't put a price on happiness." I'll see you when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> now, at this point, when you show up to play for Toledo, your hair. If I if I remember correctly, you had quite the head of hair, did you not? Oh yeah, the, the lettuce was very long. I think I had about maybe like close to my shoulders at this time, maybe a little bit shorter than my shoulders. It was a good mane of hair. <laughs> I, if I now if I remember correctly, it, I think it was I don't know if it was the Pagorskis or the Pisanis. I think it was the Pisanis that told me that. Uh, they said, yeah, when we saw this guy come into the locker room and I thought, oh, my gosh, this guy's a homeless person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Donovan Mike. 
that I listen in. They're just like, I don't want to talk to this guy. This guy's like big and scary. Like I want to be on his good side. Like I feel like the kind of felt like the big guy from the movie Longest Yard with Adam Sandler when he's playing ping pong. Everyone's trying not to like make him mad. Oh yeah, that's what it, like, I felt like they were describing me as. This is big massive human being walking into the locker room because everybody stopped that first day I walked in. I think the only person I really knew was Brody Duncan at the time. Everybody knows Brody. <laughs> oh, yeah, that little maniac, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah, that was their description of you was uh, they, 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 they told me that they thought it was a homeless person wandering into their locker room. Yeah, just got my bindle and everything. <laughs> and then later, I remember later in the season, I remember I got roomed with Dom like the entire season. And then just like one of the weekends, he's just like, you know what, Saban, like you're all right. And I was like, what What are you talking about, dude? He's like, when you first walked in the locker room, he's like, I was terrified of you. He did this big, scary, long-haired guy come in with like a beard. And he just comes down and sits next to me because that's where your locker was. He goes, I was, like, terrified for you, like, the longest time. And he goes, then I got to know you and realized you're not that scary at all. I'm just like, well, don't tell anybody else that. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Now, um, so, what would, but what was it, I mean, we know what everybody else felt about when you walked into that locker room. What was it like for you when you walked into that locker room for the first time? Uh, did you feel any kind of intimidation or or uh, uneasiness or nerves? I, I think I was kind of like in shock that I was actually in that locker room, like with my gear and like had my name on the on the stall when I first walked in. Like it was kind of because like growing up around that area, I mean, to me and like to probably every other little kid, like the Cherokee. I mean, besides like the Toledo Storm back in the day and everything, like. Cherokees were like pros almost like looking up like the junior team. They're always big guys with like beards and long hair playing. And they're always playing this like extremely fast physical hockey growing up. So I've always kind of thought of them as like pros as I was growing up. So I was just like, okay, like I'm actually here. Like let's not mess this one up and everything. Let's, let's stay here for the entire year and just see what happens. I just remember my gear being laid out on the like on my stall, and I just kind of sat there for like a second to like take it all in and looked around. They, I think, I got yelled at for almost stepping on the logo. Oh yeah, they jumped on me. Yeah, they jumped on me pretty quick for that one. I cut it close. I knew not to step on the logos, but I guess I cut it a little too close for them. Everybody flipped out on the new guy for that one. Oh, tell me about. I mean, I did actually step on the logo a couple of times, but that's because. Whenever I walked into the locker room, I never looked down. I always looked mm -hmm. up, you know, because those guys are taller. And so I always looked up at those guys eye to eye. And Mo would give me so much crap about that. He's like, dude, don't step on the logo. I'm like, oh, sorry. You know, I didn't uh, I didn't do it intentionally. But, you know, it was just like I always just looked up. I never looked down where the logo was. So I've gotten into the habit now that whenever I go visit at the Ice House, I, I, I don't – if I go into the locker room, I just go straight to Kenny's office. I don't. I don't go into the because I'm afraid I'll step on the logo. You know, so I, I learned pretty quick to just walk the edges of the locker room, like stay by the stalls, 
So I'll just start like trying to high five everybody to use an excuse just to stay away from the logo to make sure I didn't step on it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good that's a good move because like I said, I just I I was clueless. Some people say I still am, but that's another story. Anyway, um, so tell me, what was it like the first time you put on your uniform for a game night? Uh, did uh, you have chills or anything like that? Oh, I had butterflies in the in my stomach. I made sure to eat light before the game because I knew I was going to be super nervous. I know how like the games like are growing up and watching them, and then watching some of my buddies play when I was off the ice for a while. And so I knew there was going to be a lot of people there. I knew it was going to be a long, rough, and tough game, like a lot of skating. And so I just was nervous until that first shift was over. And then after that, I mean, it might have been like 10, 15 seconds, but that's all I needed to kind of get the butterflies through. But up to that moment, I was like shaking. I couldn't hold like my hands straight. My knees were weak, everything. It would, like all the nerves were going. I couldn't believe it, it was I was so scared. <laughs> Aren't the, yeah, but it's like I tell people, isn't it great? Because that means you're actually playing. You know, you're actually, yeah. you're not, you know, you're not uh, in beer league yet. Uh, so you actually mm-hmm. get to play. And so that that's that's the best, you know, the, being being out there and being, having the nerves, working the nerves out. That's how I call it. It's just working the nerves. That first shift was over. I was good to go. I think I got the call to go out there like a handful of times being a new guy. And since I've been off the year or off the ice for like a year and a half, even that first practice, I was dead. I didn't do any kind of training camp with these guys for like the weeks before that they're all talking about that first practice. They're like, thank God that like skating is over. We can actually work on stuff. And it's like, you mean like, like those drills that we were just doing, those were the easy ones. Like, I'm dying out there. Jello, and even that first game, uh, first game was rough for me. How bad? I, uh, legs were probably shot after a period and a half. I learned the hard way that icing was a race. I for I just very vividly remember. Like, I think they chipped it past me on the blue line, and I just kind of lollygagged it back. One, because my legs were jello at the end, kind of at the end of a shift. And I just remember the bench, like, yelling at me, and I look over at them, and they're all yelling at me, like, skate, skate. And I just see this guy go blowing past me. And I'm just like, the puck's behind our goal line. Like, why isn't the whistle? I'm, like, looking around, like, did I not hear the whistle? And sure enough, the play was still live, and that was when I found out that it wasn't just like an automatic icing that you had to actually beat them to the puck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, surprise. that was yeah, that was a big surprise. And then I probably sat a few shifts for that one as well. <laughs> now, do you remember uh, any of your firsts, whether it be a goal, uh, a fight, a uh, penalty? Um. My first goal, I didn't really fight at all. I mean, I would kind of get in a few shoving matches, but I just never dropped the gloves. I don't know why I never did. It was probably like the nerves and everything. I would just get into a couple shoving matches here and there, and then that would be about the extent of that. And uh, my first goal, uh, I think I got lucky with this one. And uh, I just remember getting on the blue line, and I just think I actually just closed my eyes and just tried to give it a little quick wrist shot to the net for someone to tip. 
It was the biggest muffin ever. And somehow, some way, it weaseled in. It was like a wounded duck the whole way <laughs> bouncing across the And that up. I just remember watching it. And I peeked my head around the guy coming at me. And I peeked my head around. And I watched it go on the five hole of the goalie. And I remember I just jumped into the boards right next to me, right next to all the fans and stuff. It wasn't the prettiest thing, but I celebrated like I just went top shelf or something like that on a breakaway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love this. this. They all look the same on the scoreboard. That's right. I mean, yeah. They don't ask how. They ask how many. Uh, but uh, the the that had to be pretty cool. Do you remember who it was against? Might have been Cleveland, Cleveland or Flint, maybe one of those two. Okay, wow. You know, it's you know, it's funny we talk about that, and you know, here we are all these years later, and neither and Cleveland's now in Worcester, and Flint is no more. You know, it's like Flint was like the powerhouse when we were there. They were always at the top, and. Put a pretty good beating on us. I remember a few times. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know they were any like no more. Yeah, no more junior generals. Um, but um, yeah, I know like uh, Metro is now in Fraser. Uh, let's see. And like I say, Cleveland's in Worcester. So I mean, it's like it's time marches on. That's all I can tell you is that time marches on. So tell me about some of the chemistry. Who did you, uh, who did you play with? Who was your defense partners when you played uh, in Toledo? Oh, my defense partner for a while. It was, I mean, my first start was probably with Bogey, just because he was one of our better defensemen. And since me, I had a lot of catching up to do. They put me out with him because that was a pretty safe bet that he could bail me out of trouble whenever I needed it. I played with him for a while, and then about halfway through the season, uh, I got paired up with now like my best friend Donnie Nagel, mm. and yeah, he hated my guts at first <laughs> before he came to. Jail. Really? Yeah, he was uh, playing out in Southern Oregon with my cousin Logan Myers. Okay, and I remember we had a pretty hot start to our season for Toledo. And I just remember, I can't remember if there were Billet Brothers out there, but they, I just know they were on the same team and they didn't have that great hot start to the season like we did. So I was texting my cousin all the time, like giving him crap for it and everything, telling him how our season's going. And Donnie just hated how much I was talking crap and everything. And then, uh, like, he probably hated me with a passion at this point. And I remember... We are all hanging out at my cousin's, Logan's place when they came back for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And I remember meeting Donnie for the first time. And I went to go, like, shake his hand and everything. And he just looks at me and just doesn't move. Just sitting there with his arms crossed. He goes, so you're the guy that's been talking crap this whole time. And I was like, yeah, dude, how's it going, man? He's like, dude, I hate your guts. And I was like, still? <laughs> like, you still hate me? And I was like, that was a while ago. He's like, dude, talked all that crap and everything. He's like, I hate you. And then for some reason, I probably had a few sodas that night. And we became good friends at the end of the night. And he realized I'm not that bad of a guy. 
It's gonna. And then we hung out a few more times over break, and I remember he ended up staying at my house one night and missing his flight back to Oregon the next day. And uh, I remember he was still at my house the next morning, and he calls his coach in Oregon and goes, uh, "Hey, can you trade me to Toledo? I missed my flight, and I'm not gonna be making it back out there anytime soon." And so that's how me and Donnie became defensive partners. Oh my gosh. See, he didn't, he yeah. didn't tell me this part of the story when uh, he told, cause him and his uh, older billet brother, Fred, um, he, they, you know, I, we talked a lot about how they played and we talked a little bit about in Oregon, uh, the, how it was out there and, you know, the great fan base and the whole nine yards. But he, he just said it didn't work out came back here he didn't mention anything about you or missing his flight uh, uh figured he wouldn't have he probably didn't want me to tell that story but i'm glad you <laughs> did okay it, yeah way better story now than the way he put it amen to that man that was that was awesome so uh now so he so he skips the flight gets traded to toledo uh and he becomes your defense partner how I mean, did the chemistry seem to work pretty good at, when you guys played on the ice? Yeah, for some reason it just clicked right away from that first practice. Me and him were just finding each other left and right. We knew where the other one was, where we were supposed to be, all that stuff. It was like we've been playing together like our whole lives, and like it just never skipped a beat. It was kind of crazy in my head. Like how good it was working. And we just like looked at each other after the first practice and we're just like, yeah, we're going to ask if we can be part, like defensive partners for the rest of the season. And I think coaches saw it too. And they're like, we're not splitting them up. Wow. That's awesome. That's incredible. Now, uh, yeah. I mean that I, cause I just remember you with the, with the long hair and uh, the, you had the flow going pretty good and, and, that that just cracks me up thinking about you know you were the I mean think about it Hudson from from a practical standpoint if if you if you get real about it every person you came in contact with that was in a Cherokee uniform at some point really like was either terrified of you or hated your guts there was <laughs> <laughs> no between really yeah and you you were always at least with me you know we didn't talk a ton or anything at all but what what interaction we always did have was positive you know it wasn't it wasn't never negative and i never would have thought that everyone thought of you that way and, and i just thought everyone was like ignoring me because i didn't play well that night or something and everyone's staying away from the guy that like stinks at hockey like <laughs> A good game. I don't want to talk to him, but the whole time everyone either hated me or thought I was scary. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> I guess it's quite the calling card to have, but uh, <laughs> man, but it, well, hey, it all works out in the end. So before we wind her up, I want to hear from you as far as telling me from your end of it, what were your thoughts of playing for Kenny Miller and Todd Omi? Oh, I loved it. I mean, I've always been a part of their, like, hockey pro, or at least Kenny and Kelly's, like, hockey programs, like, going up, maybe, like, the little weekend things. 
they had. So, I mean, it was definitely different than I was, like, used to kind of growing up. A little bit more yelling. They would tell you straight up if you messed up mm-hmm. and everything. I like that. And then uh, just the way that they were always pushing us, like, just to be better. I mean, yeah, we don't agree with them at times, but they're the coach and we're the player. So, I mean, I loved every second of it. Todd Omi was great. I mean, he knew the game. I'd come off the ice and he'd tell me something that I did good, but if I could do it this way, it'd be just a little bit better or maybe a split second sooner. It could open up some more things. And then I believe Jake Manders was helping out a bunch too with us. And I watching him growing up playing a few years before me and stuff like that. Like I love the way he played. So seeing him and talking with him, that was great. Mm. And yeah, it was just overall great experience. And I wouldn't really change it for the world. Wow. That's awesome. So you play that year in Toledo. Um, you knew going in that it was going to be your last year. So what was it like when uh, you you finished there and you played your last game in a Cherokee uniform? What went through your mind? Just, an, again, like another full like roller coaster of emotions. Like, one, I can't believe that I did it, and that was like my last – or. I wouldn't say last year competitive hockey because then I went off to college and played, but I just can't believe that I did it. And then uh, just all the guys in that short period of time for me, even though they've been playing with each other for years growing up on the other side of town, uh, they literally opened, like took me in with like open arms and literally just felt like a part of the family after it. So it was very sad. Like that last game, everybody's full of emotions and, everything so i think at that point i was more sad knowing that i had gained some good friends for life right there and that i'm not going to be able to play against with them anymore i guess so now you talk about going to play college where did you play college i played for indiana institute of technology or indiana tech for short in fort wayne indiana wow that's cool yeah they had a Division One and Division Three hockey team in the ACHA. My freshman year there was actually the first year the school's ever had a hockey program in its entire history. Wow. Yeah, so that was really cool, being like a founding father of that one. Yep. Start calling you Gramps. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so tell me what that was like. What was it like playing there? It was very different just because you had all these guys come in from all over all these other different leagues and stuff everyone's style is different and now we got a brand new coach first year probably didn't do so hot with all these brand new guys and the we were in one of the hardest divisions that we had we were playing like university of michigan dearborn western michigan all these big top teams that have already been established for years in like the league so we kind of, our f- freshman year, we took a beating and then just kept slowly improving every year. And then junior and senior year started making runs for like regionals and championships. So then we started getting guys in from all over, like Sweden. And yeah, wow. it's kind of different seeing different guys, like hockey styles from different parts of like the U.S. You could definitely 
kind of see who's a little bit more physical, who's a little bit more fancy, and then just try to gel everything together. It was a little tough at first, but we made it work and we got it done there. Now, was there anybody that you recognized when you got to iTech as far as, uh, like, that you played against that maybe that you remember from your time playing juniors? Uh, the one that I remember, I don't think he played this weekend, but Donnie ended up going to University of Michigan Dearborn. And I remember, I don't know why he didn't play this weekend, but he said that he was going to get the whole crowd against me. <laughs> and sure, about halfway through the game, I started hearing my last name slow chanted about three times with, you stink after. <laughs> and so that was pretty funny. I just look up and he's just yelling, I love you, honey. And I find him and I'm just like, oh my God, you're an idiot. <laughs> and then uh, Bogart and Austin Turner, they went to Eastern Michigan, yeah. I believe, if I'm correct. Yep. Yeah, we saw them again there, played against them. So that was pretty cool. I don't even think they knew I went to this school. So when I got out on the ice, I would, like started poking them a little bit and they're like, Holy crap, it's Saban. <laughs> and I think that's really about it from uh, growing up or from the Cherokee that I remember playing against. That is funny. Yeah, so it was definitely good seeing those guys again. Well, okay. And then, Keep going. Oh, yeah, and then when they just come down and when Austin Turner would come down the ice, I'd be like, dude, I played with you for a while. I know all your moves. Can't get past me now. So Beautiful. I love this. Yeah. Uh, It was a blast. So how long did you play? Did you play all four years at uh, Indiana Tech? Yeah, I did. I played the first year D1, second year, majority of it D1, and kind of got put down to the D3 team. I did kind of injure myself snowboarding, so I kind of did it to myself. And then junior year, I was back and forth. And then senior year, I just kind of wanted to have more fun with it. So I played on the D3 team uh, junior and senior year and then played against a bunch of guys again that I knew at different schools. So that was a lot of fun too. Good. I mean, that's the whole point of it is you want to enjoy what you're doing. No, yeah, it was a blast. Wouldn't change the world. So now, uh, what did you, what did you graduate uh, with? I graduated with a bachelor's in business administration and like a concentration in sports management. Man, I can't even say that many words. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's definitely tough. <laughs> now, uh, so when you finished there, was that? the last time you played as far as competitive hockey? Yeah, that was it. When I finished up that last game in that fourth year, it was, that was, I wouldn't say roller coaster emotions. I was bawling my eyes out, realizing that I'm done. That was the big, I'm done, I'm done. That was the, yeah, that was the big, I'm done. Like, I was a mess. How long did it take you to recoup from that, do you think? Um, I don't think I still have <laughs> so much. And I played in a few beer leagues here and there, but it's just not the same when you're at that high level. And I mean, you're with all your best friends and brothers in the locker room every day. Like I miss that stuff. Now I just see my beer league team once every 
week, every other week, maybe. So it's definitely, I miss it. Still not over it. Well, the competitiveness, brotherhood. Yeah. Have you given any thought to maybe someday uh, coaching? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, I'm moving around a lot right now. And, uh, but now that I'm kind of locked down in an area for like a little bit and I got this, uh, beer league team that I'm on, I definitely would consider coaching definitely in my spare time. Now, uh, what, I mean, how often do you move around? Um, probably once every two, three years. I'm in the United States Coast Guard now, so I get bumped around a little bit. Now, are you anywhere local now? Not right, you know, currently? Uh, not close to home at all. No, I'm down in St. Pete, Florida now. I got pretty lucky with where I'm stationed at. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I was going to say rough, rough job there, buddy. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, hey, first of all, thank you for your service. Appreciate it. You know, the people don't, yeah, people don't realize what you do there as part of the Coast Guard, but you guys uh you have to have cojones of steel to do what you do and oh yeah so definitely yeah i agree so so thank you for that um now as far as i said you know you talk about coaching where where would you i mean what level would you like to coach would it be the the little guys or uh something uh higher up i think i would like to start with like the younger players just probably maybe right around travel age maybe just when they're getting out of maybe house start going into or maybe like more of like a house i guess because i really can't travel with the team but um probably just yeah probably like younger house kids just so i could see that like love and their eyes like that they have for the game and just look at them laughing and having so much fun out there. I mean, cause when we were young, we were just skating real fast, sliding around, trying to take slap shots, falling over. And it was, you'd get right back up with a big old smile on your face. Like I love that part. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Okay. Uh, last couple things here. One, who were the people that impacted you the most, both on the ice and off? impacted me the most um i mean definitely like off the ice like my family like my dad probably especially because i mean growing up and seeing them play he kind of thought they were pros too so he was very proud of me and was very supportive i mean my mom as well and like my entire family they were super supportive of everything they made every game no matter how far away it was and then on the ice with like the team, the coaches, like, I can't thank them enough. Uh, Kenny, Kelly, Todd, even like Jake Manders when he was there skating with us in practice. Um, like they're all such like a big influence because they love the game so much and they want to push you to see better. Even like Doc and Mo, I mean, anything that you needed, even if it was like the smallest little thing, like hey, I got like a little headache. Doc just gave you some like Tylenol or anything, you're good to go. And anything wrong with your equipment, Mo either had it right there, like ready to rock and roll, or there'd be a new one waiting for you. And just anybody involved with us. I I thought I heard someone say like the bus drivers, they're just good, genuine people that love 
to take us around and they get so enthusiastic about the game and they love it, even though maybe sometimes they don't know what they're watching, but they get fired up when they see us fired up. Mm-hmm. So big thank you to everybody for that. You know, and it's like I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the game night staff too, you know, you got Brandy out there and, and back in the day, Bobo used to drive the Zamboni, him and Lee Ekman, you know, it's just, it, it, it's a, it's a family out there, you know, and even over at the bar with John Kolb, you know, and his group. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I remember everybody, Brandy, she still keeps me posted about what the Cherokee are doing still to this day. She'll send me like Facebook posts or messages telling me how the team's doing. So it's good getting updates to seeing how like the boys are taking on the year and everything. And then, yeah, just everybody, that whole like establishment is just one big family. It's like you walk in, everybody knows everybody. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's just hard to describe like the atmosphere in there. Even when it's empty, it's just a couple people. Like you feel the love and passion for that place and what it has. You feel like you belong. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody's welcome. And as soon as you walk in, unless it's game night and you're playing the Cherokee, then you're not welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You, You speak truth. You speak truth. Yeah. Okay. Last thing. What would you like to say to the Cherokee Nation? Because they a lot, all of them tune into this thing, uh, whether they are alumni or current, they both do. And kids and fans, the whole whole kit and caboodle, they all you know like to listen and hear what you guys are doing and you know what you guys uh, have to share about them, about the team, and what what your experience was like. And I just want to give you a chance to you know address Cherokee Nation as far as what you'd like to say to them. Uh, just want to like thank everyone, um, the alumni. I mean, you guys set a pretty tough bar over the year to like reach and meet with like performance on the ice and everything and pushing everything better. So I want to thank you guys for that and like the legacy you guys left behind because without that, I probably wouldn't have be where I'm at today, the level that I got to play at. And guys that I played with, like, love them, thank them for everything for pushing everybody to be better and to the guys playing now keep it up. Cause I mean, you never know where you're going to end up. I mean, play every game like it's your last. You never know when your last time on the ice is going to be. So just keep that in mind. Um, and like the little guys keep having fun, just have fun with it. I mean, it's a game. We all love it and we take it so seriously, but at the end of the day, just gotta have fun whether you win or lose. So, think that's the biggest thing take away from it well can't ask for better than that you know uh and and yes folks since he is in the coast guard he did have to get his hair cut hudson how hard was that for you to have happen i about cried i had a panic attack (laughs) (laughs) i decided to have fun with it before i went to uh before i went to boot camp because i knew i'd probably get picked on I'd be like the guy with the long hair the whole time. So before I went, I had fun with it and I cut it into a mullet and then did some other things with it before I cut it short just to see what it would look like. But yeah, I, I definitely miss it. I hate having short hair. It's no fun. How much more time do you got to go till you can think about having some long hair? Oh, probably like another like 18 years. (laughs) It's going to be I'm new to this whole Coast Guard thing. I'm probably in just 
just over like a, maybe a week over two years. So I still got a long way to go before I can even get close to having long hair again. Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> and, and at that point, nature may take its course and not, not allow you. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. I'll have a great long mane. I'll, rock that thing <laughs> even if you even if you have to go buy it instead of growing it <laughs> yeah definitely i'll buy one it's coming whether my hair wants to or not <laughs> oh beautiful i love this <laughs> anyway hudson thank you buddy hudson sabin number 28 thank you so much for uh, joining us here doing this with us and best of luck in everything that you do because and please keep in touch because it's great to hear from you and I'm glad you're you're part of the Cherokee family, and thank you for everything you've done. Thank you very much, Mick, for having me on here. I appreciated everything, and just want I can't thank you enough for this, and we'll definitely be in touch. Amen to that, because eventually someday we are going to have a reunion when we get back to whatever normal is going to be. And when we do that, we're going to try and get a weekend where we can go watch the Cherokee play and uh, have a couple of Diet Pepsis and uh, – uh, be able to tell tall tales and have a bunch of laughs, just laughing, talking about our time back in the day when we were all part of this. So that's that's the plan. So thanks. Yeah, I'm on the first flight whenever that gets scheduled. Maybe everyone won't be so scared of me having short hair. <laughs> oh, I don't know if they'll if they if they're not scared of you, they may just plain flat out hate your guts. You know, <laughs> you never know. But it, yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks thank again. you, buddy. Well, that's going to do it for episode 74 of the Cherokee Rewind. We thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget every Wednesday and Saturday, these the new ones drop. Uh, be sure to subscribe with whatever platform you use. And also, uh, if you know of any other Cherokee alumni that uh, you know haven't heard uh, or gotten in touch with me because like I said I've only scratched the surface with the number of guys I've gotten a hold of to do this and if you know of any other ones that are your friends with that haven't talked about this at all that you think uh, are would be wanting to be a part of this please have them reach out to me on social media and I'll be more than happy to in invite them in back in you know it's always good to come back home so for Hudson Saban, I am Mick saying thanks, everybody, as you've been hanging out here on the Cherokee Rewind. <laughs>